not all podcasters are created equal. This is the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Welcome to the Healthy Young Athlete Podcast, hosted by me, Dr. Mark Halstead. In this podcast, I cover common problems and injuries young athletes may face and ways to keep your kids healthy and as safe as possible while participating in sports. Leading experts in the field will join me to give you the best advice and what is the state of the art in thinking about issues young athletes may face. If you have a stake in the health of young athletes, whether as a parent or coach or even a young athlete yourself, this is the podcast for you. Join me as I bring you the Healthy Young Athlete Podcast. On June 14th, Danish soccer star Christian Eriksson suddenly and unexpectedly collapsed during a championship match. It was suspected he had collapsed due to an abnormal rhythm in his heart, and the medical staff on site wisely applied the Automated External Defibrillator, or AED, and a shock was applied. It was felt that this likely saved his life. Although these issues in younger athletes and all athletes are infrequent events, having quick access to an AED can certainly make a difference in saving a life. Today on the podcast, we will discuss why AEDs are important to have readily available at sporting events and how you can make sure your sports organizations are on board. I'm Dr. Mark Halstead, your host, and this is the Healthy Young Athlete Podcast. Our guest today is Dr. English Flack. Dr. Flack is an assistant professor of pediatric cardiology at the Monroe Carroll Jr. Children's Hospital at Vanderbilt. She completed her pediatric residency and pediatric cardiology fellowship at Vanderbilt. She is the medical director for Project Adam in Middle Tennessee and has clinical interest in sports participation clearance. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Flack. Thank you for having me, Dr. Halstead. As we start today, I'm sure most of our listeners have heard of the Automated External Defibrillator, or AED, but if they haven't been through a CPR class, they may not have much familiarity about them and how they work, and they may even have some apprehension about them. Can you talk about AEDs, like how they work, and hopefully providing our listeners who may be apprehensive about using them some comfort with them? Of course. An AED, an Automated External Defibrillator, is a lightweight, portable medical device that can automatically deliver an electric shock through the chest by pads that are placed on the skin. And AEDs are used along with CPR to treat victims of sudden cardiac arrest. And an AED will only deliver a shock if the heart is in an abnormal rhythm. Ventricular fibrillation is an abnormal heart rhythm that can be stopped with a defibrillator so that the heart's normal rhythm can return. So that's where we get automated external defibrillator, or AED. You can find AEDs on the walls in airports and schools, in casinos, and in some places of community gatherings. The ideal AED is visible to the public because it is designed to be used by the public. It's not designed for doctors and nurses, which is a common misconception that only medical providers can use an AED. AEDs are designed for use by untrained bystanders. And that's great. I mean, we want to make sure that people have comfort in them. I think we all walk past them. You mentioned the airports and things like that, and where you see the little ADD hanging on the wall there. I've always kind of paid attention to that. I mean, that's probably you and I have sort of bias of that with what we do from a medicine standpoint is that we look around and we see the AED and it's helpful to know where they are. And we know that with cardiac arrest, early CPR and the potential application of the AED is critical. So can you discuss some important parts of what should be done when you think about an athlete as an example that's collapsed? For an athlete that has collapsed immediately, the first thing is to check the athlete for responsiveness. If they can talk to you, you can continue to assess them. And athletes 
may collapse from a variety of different things, heat exhaustion, asthma exacerbation, an injury. And in my world, it's typically from a sudden cardiac arrest. If an athlete does collapse and they are not responsive, call 911 and send the fastest runner on the field to go grab an AED. That's the most important thing is to get the AED. We want it on the chest within three minutes. And that really increases the chance of survival after a sudden cardiac arrest. If we think about youth sports organizations and school districts and how they use AEDs, what processes should they go through? Meaning how should they go about developing a plan for their availability and then also their use? I think a good start is finding what legislation is in place already so that your organization does comply with state laws. Some states require AEDs in schools, for example. Some require an annual drill if the AED is present in school. But for any organization, you can look into other local resources that can help you form an emergency response plan. It's not enough just to order an AED and have an AED with your team or organization. You actually have to have a process that you know how to use it and you know how to access it. Sometimes reaching out to a local fire department can be a good start. Project Adam, which I will talk about, I'm sure, is is an example of one of the national nonprofit organizations that serves to prevent sudden cardiac death through education and reaching out to an organization such as Project Adam can help as far as which AED to get in place and how to use that AED appropriately. I think you and I both know that the most important part of that is is knowing where it's at. If you don't know where the AED is at, then someone's going to be going around trying to aimlessly find it and that's precious time lost. So do you have any suggestions for organizations as far as places to keep AEDs or what should they do when sporting events are going on? Things that are do's and don'ts perhaps about AEDs and where they store them? Yes. There may be a false sense of security for for some organizations that they have an AED. But it's really heartbreaking when someone comes up on a barrier as they're going to get the AED and it's locked in the school office for the team that's practicing after school. The barriers to getting an AED and using an AED is really starts with accessibility. If you have a school in session, you want an AED to be not in a locked cabinet. You want it to be on the wall in the cafeteria. You want it in the gym where everyone can see it. This is why in airports, they have those routine AED signs that all look the same and the cabinet is right there for anyone to access. If we're talking about a sports organization, many teams will have an AED backpack and that goes with them with their equipment. So if they're traveling to another site to practice one day, the AED goes with the equipment, with the team. If they're traveling for an out-of-town game, the AED goes with the team, with the equipment. And then you don't depend on the other school or the other site where you have your team to be prepared. I love you're talking about the the AED backpack part of that because, you know, again, we do think about them just being hanging on a wall somewhere or unfortunately, hopefully not (laughs) in a drawer somewhere. That's the big key because the sooner we can access that and having that available rather than having to run back up to a school and having someone go and try and find it when those minutes are precious, I think is really important. Having that around and that's the nice thing about these things as they are so portable is being able to have that quick access to it. 
the AD, obviously, it's a piece of electronic equipment. We have to think about upkeep for these things. They don't last forever. What are some of the things that we need to think about as organizations as far as just regular routine upkeep of them? And you know, do these things need to be replaced? Do we need to worry about the batteries? What kind of things do people need to be worried about? I'll start with battery because it is it is portable and that's because it uses a battery. The batteries usually need to be replaced every two to five years, depending on the type of AED. Some will last longer, up to seven years. The next part is an AED will only work if there are pads to plug into the machine and to apply to the chest wall of a victim. The shelf life of pads is about two to four years. That's because the conduction gel on the pads will dry up and then the shock can't be delivered. The expiration date of the battery and the pads is always printed on those by the manufacturer. Wherever an AED is ordered from, the companies are pretty good about setting up a system of upkeep and you can register for these with some companies so that it will automatically prompt you when a battery is going to be expiring. The machine itself will have to run computer updates ever so often, and many of the newer machines do that just on their own as far as running computer checks and updates. Some of the old devices, you know, we've, we've gone out to schools and seen some devices that were 15 years old and it's, you know, that maybe more difficult to get the right battery. And so reaching out to any company, though, any of the large AED companies, they have always been so helpful is the feedback that I get from schools. They really want to provide a good product and a product that will continually be in use for years. We are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will continue our discussion about AED use and their importance in youth sports. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From the Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Dr. Mark Halstead here. Do you like what you're hearing on the Healthy Young Athlete Podcast? If you want to learn how your business, organization, or effort can benefit from my growing audience of engaged parents and dedicated coaches of young athletes, connect with us and let's have a conversation. You can reach out to us at HealthyYoungAthletePodcast.com. In today's world, time is everything. When editing podcasts, <laughs> you know as well as I do, time flies. But it's not the good kind of time flying. It's the kind of time that eats a hole in your pocket. Reclaim the time you lose when you edit your podcast. Connect with The Editor Core. The Editor Core is a group of seasoned, experienced podcast editors that'll get your editing done and out the door. Use your reclaimed time to make more content. Make your podcast soar with The Editor Core. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. We're back with Dr. English Flack discussing AED use in youth sports. Walk us through a little bit, you know, we've got the AED, you have a downed athlete, they're not responding, we've checked their airway, we've assessed if they're breathing or not. 
we're at the point where we think we may be needing to apply the AED. Walk us through a little bit about what that process may look like with the AED. I mean, yes, this goes through in the CPR class, but you know, we may have some listeners who have not actually gone through that effort of going through a CPR class. You know, what are kind of some of the basics of what to expect? Because we do want people to be able to use these things if they feel like it's necessary at that time. The AED, as soon as it arrives to the victim, open the case. That's the first thing to do. Once you open the case of an AED, there are vocal prompts that will tell you exactly what to do and will walk you through it. Some AEDs will also have visual prompts, and there are many AEDs that are in English and in Spanish. There will be a switch where you can play in Spanish or you can play in English. But to walk you through it, if you're attending to a victim, the AED arrives, go ahead and open the case. The AED typically says, stay calm, <laughs> call 911, <laughs> and it will tell you how to open the pads. It will tell you, look at the picture on the pads, place on the victim's chest. So it really walks you through each step by step to make it as simple as possible. And this is so a middle school student could open an AED case and figure out how to use it. Once the AED pads are placed on the chest, the AED will tell you, analyzing rhythm, don't touch the patient. And this is because the AED wants to know the exact heart rhythm that the victim is in. Touching the patient or moving them may make it more difficult for the AED just to gather that information and it may take longer. So the AED will analyze the rhythm and if the AED says, shock advised, charging, Many AEDs have the button where a shock can only be administered by pushing the button. The important thing to know is if an AED tells responders shock advised, then you push the button and shock the patient. You cannot hurt a patient. You cannot kill a patient by pushing that button. You can only do a great thing for them if they are in that state of needing to reset the heart's abnormal rhythm. So once the shock is given, typically the AED will say resume CPR and you continue CPR as far as chest compressions. The AED often counts for you and will tell you again, analyzing, don't touch the patient. And it'll tell you if another shock is advised or not. And it may say no shock advised. So you resume your CPR. This is done until emergency response comes, until EMS arrives. Even if the patient wakes up, between a shock given and before EMS arrives, do not take the pads off of the patient. Don't turn the AED off. Don't take the pads off the patient because you don't know how stable they are. They may have regained a normal heart rhythm and wake up and be very confused, but leave the pads on the patient till EMS takes over. I would probably even argue with your statement about the, even a middle schooler could do it. I bet you probably a lot of our grade schoolers could do it. I mean, these things are so easy but with how our, our grade schoolers can yeah. navigate iPads and all that stuff with relative ease. I bet you they, uh, an AED wouldn't be too far off to ask them to use it if they, if they really needed to. That's uh, true. And I think there actually was a study of second graders that did it and they did really well. So you're exactly right. Oh, fantastic. Well, see, I guessed it right there. <laughs> <laughs> 
if we're talking about a sports organization, they're wanting to take the next step in obtaining an AD for their athletes or even potentially for the coaches and, and fans that may be participating at a sporting event because they may even be more likely to have a cardiac event than some of our athletes would. What kind of things do they need to think about in the process of doing that? What, what should they expect as far as like typical cost of an AED? I think the easy question is the typical cost. <laughs> you can get actually the certified pre-owned AEDs around five or $600 now. The prices substantially come down, even for the new model AEDs in the past couple of years. So a brand new AED typically runs between eight and $900 and goes up from there. If you search the internet, you'll see a $3,000 AED. Well, that's because it comes with a trainer, it comes with a cabinet, it comes with an extra battery set. So there are many packages that will inflate the cost because of what you get. The actual machine itself, around $4,500 for a certified pre-owned and 800 and up for a brand new AED. So if a team really wants to get one or if they already have one AED and would like to get a second one, you really can't go wrong whether certified pre-owned or brand new as long as you have a company who guarantees your purchase and will be available to you for reordering batteries. Looking onto the internet now, we can buy most anything, and that's certainly the same for AEDs. I tend to recommend sticking with the larger companies that have every manufacturer of AED. They typically are the ones who are most resourceful as far as helping you keep your device up to date and reordering batteries and pads. And you're involved with Project Atom. You referred to that. We talked about that a little bit in the introduction as you being medical director for Middle Tennessee. Tell us a little bit about Project Atom. What exactly is it and how does that relate to AEDs? The Atom from Project Atom, his name is Adam Lemmel, and he was 17 years old. He was a high school athlete who collapsed and died in 1999 in Wisconsin while he was playing basketball. He had no prior medical history. He was a healthy basketball player, and his parents witnessed him collapse and die while playing basketball. He had a sudden cardiac arrest and may have survived if a defibrillator was present at the time. So his parents collaborated with the Children's Hospital of Wisconsin to form Project ADAM, which stands for Automated Defibrillators in Adam's Memory. And Project Adam formed in the early 2000s. We now have 28 affiliate organizations in 22 states across the country for Project Adam. And we serve to support Heart Safe School initiatives. Our mission is to save lives by empowering schools to be prepared for a sudden cardiac arrest. And a heart safe school, that's a school that has implemented a quality sudden cardiac arrest program of awareness, training, and emergency response to promote a safe environment for everyone there, the students, the staff, and any visitors. I noticed you, you mentioned the number of organizations that are involved with that. And I, I am sad to say that I noticed that St. Louis Children's Hospital, where I am part of, is not part of Project Adam. So that will be definitely something that we will have to be changing here in St. Louis in a relatively short fashion. That's awesome. We're good at helping new sites get, get up and started as far as, as what everything needs to be done. Well, I've got some great cardiology colleagues here who have a vested interest in our young athletes. So I will soon be reaching out to them to see if we can get on board as well, because there's uh, certainly no reason why we shouldn't be here as well. 
Fantastic. And Project Adam is based within children's hospitals across the country. It really started as a grassroots organization and continues as such. It's supported by children's hospitals, but often has a parent of a victim that is leading the charge. And it's really based to deliver free resources to the school and community for the sole purpose of saving lives. And and that's exactly what Project Adam has done over the years. Our head athletic trainer for the St. Louis Blues here has had, I believe, two cardiac events that he's dealt with on the ice with our players, one most recently a few years ago that did get some national attention as well. So we do have some St. Louis ties to some some cardiac events here that uh, AEDs definitely have made a difference. And he's, he's saved two lives because of that, which is always a, a great story to, to talk about. Certainly is. I remember that exact player that you're Mm -hmm. referencing recently. Mm -hmm. What else would you want our listeners to know? Any parting comments about AEDs or things that we should be doing to help reduce the likelihood of a young athlete dying from sudden cardiac arrest? The misconceptions surrounding AEDs are a reason that many people are intimidated. You can't hurt a person. You can't kill a person by putting AED pads on them. An AED will only shock a heart that is in an abnormal rhythm. And AEDs are made for the untrained bystander like we discussed already. They're not made for medical professionals. You you don't wait for a medical professional to arrive on the scene in order to use it, whether you're in an airport or a school. We spoke about the barriers as far as AEDs. If you ask a school or an organization, do you have an AED? Just a simple yes answer is not enough to guarantee that it's accessible and that there's someone there who knows where it is, how to retrieve it. Really forming emergency response plans and focusing on preparedness in our youth is of vital importance. We all do a great job in terms of screening athletes and trying to pick out what athletes may be high risk as far as which ones are not. But we certainly have had victims of sudden cardiac arrest who have been successfully resuscitated and they have normal echocardiograms. They have normal EKGs. And those are the ones that have already been screened and passed without any difficulty appropriately passed. Preparedness is really vital in terms of our youth because we just can't screen everybody out. And we do know that a very quick response with CPR and an AED can save the life of an athlete. Great information. I'd like to thank Dr. Flack for joining us today to talk about AEDs and why they are an important part of youth sports safety. If you don't know if the team your child plays with has an AED accessible and ready to use, I'd encourage you to ask someone involved with their team today. Be sure to check out our entire podcast library at HealthyYoungAthletePodcast.com. We appreciate your five-star reviews and would love to hear your comments about this podcast. I'm Dr. Mark Halstead, your host, and this has been the Healthy Young Athlete Podcast. Thank you for joining us today for the Healthy Young Athlete Podcast. We hope you'll join us for future episodes. Please review our podcast and spread the word about us. You can find our full episode library at HealthyYoungAthletePodcast.com. This is Dr. Mark Halstead, and you've been listening to the Healthy Young Athlete Podcast.